Okay, we're continuing on in Romans. We've got a shorter passage today. Uh, It's Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Okay. Romans has got to a big, exciting point where we've been talking about sin, we've been talking about what Jesus has done about sin, and then we've talked about the fact that we struggle with sin, we've talked about the fact there's a victory over sin and how they work together, and now he says this, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a great verse, isn't it? What a passage. What does condemnation mean? Well, the Greek word means something like this, punishment following a sentence. Punishment following a sentence. Or doom. Doom. Now, we have had our punishment following our sentence cancelled because the sentence has been served fully by Jesus and also, by the way, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that he took us into himself, into his death. And so we were put to death with him. We were raised with raised to new life with him. So somehow God took us into Jesus on the cross, dealt with our sins once and for all by crucifying us and raising us from the dead to new life. That miracle, which we can't fully understand, but we have faith in, has meant that the reason that there is no punishment following our sentence is because the sentence has been served. Okay? So we have new life, Free from the condemnation of the law. The reason that we had a condemnation of the law is because we were disobedient to the law. The law stands, in a sense, as God's way. It's God's standard. It's God's character. It's all of him. Generally, it's divided up into two simple parts. The first part's about God. Okay, He alone is God. He alone is worthy. He alone is to be worshipped. He alone brings security. He alone provides all that we need. He alone is creator. He alone is redeemer. God is everything, okay? So the first part of the law saying if all comes from him and all is found in him and he made us, then we should worship him and live with him at the centre of all life. Very simple part of the law, right? Absolutely central. God is the centre of everything. Worship him alone. Love him above all else. Honour him above all. Don't put anything else before him. The second part of the law is more about God's character. He is love. And so therefore, his people are to love one another. To live selflessly. To put others before themselves. Not harming other people. Not talking badly about other people, not slandering or gossiping, not in any way 
disregarding or downplaying the image of God in another person. Okay? So, two parts to the law. God is everything, and we are to live as God is in love towards one another. That really sums up the whole law of God, doesn't it? Definitely sums up the Ten Commandments. And any deviation to that law, which makes it deviant, any deviation to that law at any point is called sin. Okay? Any deviation to God's standard, to God's character, not living with him at the centre, anything else is sin. If we haven't lived with worshipping him in everything, that's sin. If we haven't loved one another as we, as, as we should, that is sin. So all us, all are guilty, all stand ready to be sentenced, all stand condemned, but because Jesus has done what he's done and taken us in and, and borne the penalty and the punishment for our sins once and for all, we now stand completely righteous in Christ, even though we've fallen, even though we've failed, and even though we still have fallings and we still have failures and we still have disobedience, because of, we came to that point last week, we, yes, we still have these failings and fallings and we don't do what we're supposed to do, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. That's the answer to everything. And because of that, there is now no condemnation. God looks at the law and he looks at us and he says, yes, they're the same. Can you believe that? God in his perfect law looks at you when you have faith in Jesus and he looks at all of that. All you've ever done is put God at the centre. All you've ever done is love one another. And he says, they are the same because you have received the righteousness of Christ. You've received the obedience of Christ. I hope that makes sense. So he looks and says, there is no deviation from the law in these people. So therefore, there is now no condemnation. There is no future judgment. There is no doom to come. So even after all that struggling and all that disobeying, there is still no condemnation because of thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, I hope, that, I hope you can hear that today. If you don't know that and you haven't put your trust in Jesus for that, then do it. And if you're falling into sin again and you're, and you're feeling regrets, then trust in Jesus and do it. It's always the answer. So I'm going to read these passages again. He says, Therefore it is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law was about loving God and living in worship for him and loving one another. That means that the law is wonderful, doesn't it? The law is perfect. The law is great. Yeah? You can't put aside that law. Human beings were made quite simply to obey the law. That's it. We're obeying, and, and of course, obeying the law is not necessarily obeying a set of commandments because it, it's obeying, it's part of a relationship. We heard the other day that the Ten Commandments in the Bible are more called the Ten Words because God spoke them to his people directly. Before they were written on stone, 
They were spoken by God to the hearts and the minds of the people. And they heard his voice. Which means that the law is basically personal. And that sin is always a violation of a relationship. Before it became legal and written. And the written law only has meaning when it's spoken to the heart. Does that make sense? So law is always good because God gave the law. The law is perfect. It's never changed. How, how would it be if, if, you, if you sort of said, because you see it's what people do. They say, we can leave the law behind. We've gone past the law. Imagine this. The law says, thou shalt not kill. Yeah? You kill somebody, you go to jail for 25 years. At the end of that 25 years, you've served your sentence. The sentence has been done. Then you get out. So you say, well, the law doesn't apply anymore. So I can kill people. That's not what it means. It doesn't change anything. When God gives us the full obedience to the law through Jesus, the law still stands. But the difference is, he now gives us the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to obey the law. When we live trying to obey the law ourselves, we mess it up. And what happens is generally we say, okay, we're going to try hard to obey the law and then we reinterpret the law and somehow, as always happens, we end up being the one wanting to be worshipped. We end up wanting to be the top of the pile. We end up wanting to be the centre. And so the whole law gets twisted. We end up obeying our own law. It's all about me. But our disobedience and our twisting of the law hasn't changed the fact that the law is good. It just highlighted our inability to obey, either in our thinking, our desires, or in our actions and words. But Jesus restored us to the perfection of the law. He restored us to obedience. He says in verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. So now if we've been restored to the perfection in the sight of the law, it's obvious that the law is not old news because we've been restored to the perfection of it. Why, why would God make us look at how we've disobeyed the law, make us perfect with the law, and then say the law doesn't count anymore? That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah? If he restores us to the law, then obviously the law is good and right. I mean, how could you ever say, now God's no longer the sinner? Why do I, why do I make this big point? Because people seem to think that Christians are then free from the law. And how could we ever be that? We're free from the condemnation, the judgment of the law. To do what? To obey the law. And there's nothing better in the Christian life than to do that. Okay, but you can only do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what, I finished that verse 4. It says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Or at the start it said, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It is our obedience is by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit causes us to put God at the centre of everything. And the Holy Spirit causes us to know that, and to, that what our idols are and to stop worshipping them and to leave them behind. The Holy Spirit shows when we're building our own kingdoms, when we're putting ourselves above above others, when we're being self-centred. The Holy Spirit does all this 
so that we can live in the wonderful obedience to the law. So these three things are central to our life. Number one, we have obedience and righteousness as a gift from Jesus. Yep. Number two, we have the power of the Holy Spirit who gives us the desire and the power to obey the law. And three, we have the blood of Jesus who goes on washing us from our continued disobedience. We live in light of those three things all the time. And we live the good life. So I keep quoting this because in, when we're doing Romans because it's so central, but it's from Ezekiel 36. He said this, I will cleanse you. He's talking about the future, which is what Jesus would do. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. Jesus has done that. All our impurities, all that pollution, all our idols, cleansed. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. He has changed our heart and he's given us his Holy Spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He's done that. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He is doing that. He is doing that. The Holy Spirit moves us to a wonderful obedience. Now, I'm just showing really clearly today the law never changes. Jesus said this in in Matthew 5. He said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. He fulfilled them. He obeyed it. He obeyed all the law. The law hadn't changed. What did that mean? He always put God at the centre. He always worshipped the Father and he always loved one another. Didn't he? He did perfectly in obedience to the law. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until it's accomplished. Not one bit will be gone. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we are people knowing that the law stands and we have the Holy Spirit who causes us to do an incredible miracle. We can say this, I love the law. I love the law. Not, I've always obeyed the law. I love the law and I have a perfect obedience through Christ. And the law's always good. And so there's so many Old Testament uh, passages which speak of the law of God being wonderful. And, then I, and I want to encourage you to read two of them when you go home. Psalm, it's easy to remember. Psalm 19, Psalm 119. Right? It always ends with a 19. So go through the Psalms and every time you come to a 19, a 119 or a 219, which you won't get to. Just read all those. But these speak of the law. And these things often make us go, ooh, I failed that. Why are they talking good about the law? Why are they talking? But we know through Christ we've been forgiven all our sins. The Holy Spirit goes on washing from all our sins. The Holy Spirit... Sorry, the blood of Christ goes on washing us from all our sins. The Holy Spirit is with us who drives us to obedience. So we can read those passages and we can love them. So I'm going to do that right now. I don't know how hard it is to get Psalm 119 up. I'm not going to read the whole lot. Yeah, you can do that. Psalm 119. Thanks. Thanks, Wynn. But you see, understand, then the law passages become great. Because they're about us. 
long way down, Psalm 119. I knew somebody once, and I'll talk about him in a minute, who um, memorised this whole section of Psalm 119. He could say it off the top of his head. He loved to do it. Okay, I'm just going to read. Blessed, we shut our eyes, don't look at what's happening on the screen, you'll get mixed up. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, whose walk, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong and follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that will be fully obeyed, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I considered all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not be led... Do not... Let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. You see how those things that go, I will praise you with all my heart, and you go, oh, I've fallen short of that. The blood of Christ goes on washing you from all sin. You've been made righteous. And the Holy Spirit tells you, I want with all my heart to praise you. I want to delight in your law every day. Sometimes I I struggle with your law, but I want it. Can you see what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit takes these passages and makes them real and makes them lively, and we love the law. Okay. So I knew a a man who who memorised all that, and yet he fell away from the law. How could you do that? Hey, if you memorise a whole slab of scripture, you've got to be good, right? There's two problems we can have when we are understanding obedience to the law. One is having lawless, uh, sorry, graceless law, graceless law, and the other is having lawless grace. Right, I hope that makes sense. Graceless law, which is this, what I'm talking about with this uh, man, when you obey the law without relying on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You try hard to be good without relying on the forgiveness of sins, without relying on the gift of righteousness, without relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. You think that you can make yourself acceptable to God by being really, really good. And you think, on the whole, I've done a pretty good job. I'm actually not that bad. And those small things won't matter that much. This person believes that the law of God is right and that they should do their best to obey it and if you do get a high grade, you'll be in the good books with God. But it causes you to think that the law is heavy. It's hard. I read it and I go, oh, what a drain. But I've got to do it. I've got to do what's right. Yep. It's God is, and plus God is kind of this heavy overseer. He's, he's looking... He's looking for you to stuff up. Don't say stuff up in church. My mum would be disappointed with that. No. Condemnation. No. He's looking for you to make a mistake. He's looking for you to fall. 
God is a harsh taskmaster. And what happens when you live in that graceless law is you look down on others. You make judgments on others, especially when you get it wrong. If you get it wrong, it's easy to point to someone who's got it wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Become very self-righteous and you lose your joy. You don't lose your joy because what you say is, God commands me to have joy. So I'm joyful and you have a smile on your face, but it's not real joy. Because you have to have joy, don't you? God, life's so hard. Do you understand? And after that, you can see that if you are trying to make that grade, will come a disillusionment. It'll come a grumpiness. It'll come an anger. Because we don't make the grade. What's the answer for that? Grace. Yeah, lawless grace, graceless law. You need grace. We need to know that we've been saved by grace, not by our works. And we need to live in grace. And let the grace and the kindness of God, not the grace and kindness which said sins don't matter, but the grace and kindness of God that dealt with sins, let that be what empowers us to live in obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? Lawless grace, of course, is when you think, I'm under grace, what's it matter? I can do what I like. Yeah? We don't know anyone like that, do we? We've been, I've been set free from the law. Yeah? And these people hate it if anyone gives them any sort of law. Don't you make me feel guilty? Yeah? Don't put laws on me. Yeah? It's because, you see, the problem is, why they hate laws being put on them, is it does make them feel guilty. And they hate guilt, and they don't know what to do with that. So rather than taking it to the grace of God and to the cross, they think... God's love means it doesn't matter. God just overlooks sin. He doesn't care. It's only a small thing. In fact, I'm free to do what I like. So does that mean, you give me the logic of that says, I'm free not to love one another. I'm free to be the centre of the universe. I'm free to get all worship for myself. Yeah, that's the logic, isn't it? Jesus had to die for sins. The blood of Christ goes on washing our sins. That means sin is always serious. It's always a problem. It's never acceptable. But um, lawless grace allows people to live without restraint. And uh, it actually makes them hate the law. It's the same as the first people. But when we are under Christ... When we live under his forgiveness, under his washing, into the power of his Holy Spirit, we can love grace and we can see that grace and law go hand in hand. They are one. Because God has, by his grace, freed us from the law and the penalty and the condemnation of the law. And his grace has freed us from the foolish idea that we can practice the law and justify ourselves. And grace puts us completely into a new way of life. Law without condemnation, law without self-justification, freed from the power of the condemnation of the law, free to obey the law in the power of the Holy Spirit. As David said, I love your law, O Lord. What is it in Psalm 19? More precious than gold, sweeter than honey. 
It's wonderful. How could he say that? Because David knew, as far as the east is from the west, so far have you forgiven, have you taken my sins from me? So he was free. And then he said, when he sinned, what? Take not your Holy Spirit from me. He knew he needed the Holy Spirit. He couldn't do without it. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for the grace you've shown us in the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the freedom of life that we can live in without condemnation, knowing that it is all good, it is all well with our souls because of what you've done for us through Jesus and what you continue to do through him. I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would simply be people of obedience, people who love you and worship you. You fill us with your Spirit that we might love one another Serve and be selfless. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.